Are you a mom seeking more consistency in caring for yourself? I am, and I'm excited to share that starting in January, this podcast will be a transparent look at the principles of habit formation applied to daily life as a mom seeking to care for herself. I'm on a journey to find consistency in my own self-care habits because we all know that motherhood can bring new challenges and changing circumstances every day. If you'd like to build consistent self-care habits too, join me for the journey by tuning into the podcast weekly so we can set self-care goals together and build healthy habits. Subscribe and follow this podcast so you don't miss out. Being the mom you want to be doesn't have to be difficult. It's all about building healthy self-care habits, overcoming mindset roadblocks, and finding support. Welcome to Habit Maker Mama. It's the go-to podcast for busy moms who want to care for themselves. I'm your host, Heather Kerwin, and I'm a mother of three, pilot wife, and physician assistant. Together, we are going to redefine self-care so you can be the mom you want to be. Let's transform how you care for yourself starting right now. It seems a mother's brain is always swirling with tasks and to-do lists galore. I know my brain seems to always be active, and I have a hard time switching it off and truly being present. Our guest today, Vanessa Almond, is here to share her journey with yoga and how it helped her mental health as a busy mom. Vanessa recently left the corporate world as her family moved from Australia to New Zealand. She has been using this time as an opportunity to to teach yoga full-time, as well as focusing on mental health and well-being for busy women. She also teaches in-person classes in Auckland with a focus on bringing movement, music, and community together. Vanessa aims to bring her own experience with postnatal depression and corporate burnout to help other women who might be struggling and need support. Hi, Vanessa. I am so glad that you're here joining us today. And I really can't wait to get into everything that we have to talk about, to hear about you, your background, to hear about yoga and mental health. But first, let's start out. Tell me a little bit about you, your background, where you're located. We want to learn about you. Okay, sure. So um, I am in Auckland, New Zealand at the moment. Um, We've just moved here a few months ago from Sydney, Australia. So we picked up everything, um, moved the family over. For my husband's job, he got an offer there. And we just took the opportunity because my daughter's dad um, was living over here and she hadn't seen him for a few years because of COVID. So it all kind of just worked out. And then I took the opportunity to take a bit of a break from the corporate world while we're here for the next couple of years. So corporate background um, is in what they, what they call people risk consulting, but that means nothing to normal people. Um, but basically it's helping, it was helping global multinational companies manage their risks when it came to people. Um, and employee benefits. So how do they keep people well? How do they prevent illness in their employee population? Um, what they're responsible for in terms of safety? And then how do they support people both financially and uh, in terms of rehabilitation when people do get sick or injured? Um, and so I think probably I got into that probably 15 years ago. <laughs> but And I think that kind of area has changed a lot since I first got into it. And it's been really interesting to be a part of that journey. Um, so definitely I saw two things that um, spiked my interest. And the first was the rise in mental health conditions. 
And I don't know whether it's a rise in conditions or an openness and willingness to talk about the fact that they are present. Um, I think there's still a long way to go in that area, but I think there's progress. Um, and then the second is just as I rose through the ranks, I was feeling, um, I just went through these cycles of being burnt out, then fired up to kind of climb the corporate ladder again, then being burnt out, then being fired up. And I just couldn't manage my home life, my work life. I couldn't, I couldn't do all of it. Um, and it wasn't just me. It was a lot of women who were around me. And I think that still continues to be the case. Um, and so I was seeing also a lot of women drop out of the workforce and I said drop out, I don't want to use the term drop out because it sounds negative, but, um, because they couldn't manage home and work the way that workplaces are set up and the way that our society is set up. So the two just aren't, um, conducive. I still don't think. So there was that area. So that's what spiked my interest in mental health and in women in particular. Um, and then post the birth of my second child, so my son is four now. I um, started my yoga teacher training and I started that because I had no other option with movement really. Um, and so I was pretty fit. Like I wouldn't say super fit, but I exercised kind of five times a week and did pretty intense stuff, like short, but um, high intensity stuff. I always did yoga, but I only did power yoga. So, you know, fast, flowing, hated Shavasana at the end, hated it with a passion. I would just think, I can't wait for this to be over. Please make this over. Um, but when I had my second son, I was diagnosed with postnatal depression and anxiety. Um, and that presented itself both mentally, but with this deep fatigue and just aches and pains in my body so that I couldn't physically move. So five minutes of walking was a lot. Um and with the yoga, I, I couldn't even think of doing a 45-minute class online or even a 20-minute class. I found a lot of them boring in terms of the way that they were structured and just not for me. Like there is a lot of things that are for different people. But so I started, I thought, well, I'll do it myself. Like, I mean, why not just add to the load? <laughs> um, so that's what started my interest in yoga. And I think we connected because of our mutual love of habits and so with the yoga I literally started with one minute that's it like that's all I could do um and I think that's one of the reasons I didn't like the online programs because I just felt down or like a failure because I couldn't do a 10 minute practice like I had to switch it off or couldn't do the poses or was left exhausted but now and I go through ups and downs depending on how I feel but I would exercise most days, like nearly seven days a week because I want to, and I've dropped the exercise because of weight loss. And that's been a long, long journey, but yoga has helped me, um, get back to that physically. It helps me immensely mentally. Um, and it's helped me drop all that weight stuff as well when it comes to movement and nutrition. So I think, yeah, that's a long answer, but that's kind of where I'm at now and how I got here. That's an incredible answer because you give us so much that we get to unpack here. There are so many different <laughs> points I was actually kind of writing down about because I think so many moms will relate to what you talk about as far as leaving one phase of life to another, transitioning and having certain aspects of maybe that quote unquote kind of former life before children and realizing maybe I was pushing a little bit too hard and I didn't learn how to slow down 
um, prior to becoming a mom. And I don't know about you, but at least for me, like that is one of the biggest things that I've had to learn how to do is kind of learn how to just slow down because a day with kids can sometimes mean that we are at the park for hours, which is lovely. And I love being outside and being with them. But there are times where I'm like, but in my mind, I need to, I need to get the laundry done. I need to uh, send these emails. I need to do this. I need to do that. And I've, I've learned that it can't always be like that. It can't just be productive, quote unquote, constantly. I need to learn how to slow down. How did you end up starting well-being bundled? Yeah, so I always um, wanted to start my own side thing in that area because I'd struggled so much with my health um, over the years and even pre, like before my son with different gut issues or um, skin stuff that would come out. And to be honest with you, like those things still flare up for me, but I think a lot of it has to do with my mental state as well. Like that feeds into a lot of the physical things. Um, And again, at the beginning, it was about what diet am I going to go on? What fitness program am I going to go on to restrict myself and lose weight? And and I look back at photos then, I'm like, oh my gosh, what, what was I thinking? But I did a health coaching certification kind of 10 years ago because I wanted to get into this field. And it's just evolved into wanting to help other women because in our society today, there is this focus, like you said, on being productive. Um, I've just moved from being a corporate professional working mum to being a stay-at-home mum. That's been really, really hard because of exactly what you've said. I don't, even with the yoga and all of these things that I do, it is still painful for me to slow down, like physically, mentally painful. It feels like fingernails down a chalkboard sometimes. But I think the reason I think I've made progress is now I'm aware of it. I'm like, okay, I can sit back and go, this is what it is. I don't need to feel it. I just need to sit with it comfortably um, or a little bit uncomfortably, but be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, and that, again, is something that yoga teaches you. So there's all of these things on and off the mat that you can take into it. So I guess with Wellbeing Bundled, one of my main things that I wanted to do was a fundraiser. And Gidget Foundation Australia is a not-for-profit uh, in Australia that supports the mental health and well-being of new and expectant parents. And they provide free counselling services for, um, I think, up to two years post having your um, baby once a month. Um, if you're referred by a GP or an obstetrician, um, and it's so needed because the mental health system in Australia, well, in New Zealand, and I think everywhere is overrun. You can wait months to see, if not more, to see a psychologist. So even moving here, I've gone private to connect with someone again because I need that on an ongoing basis. So I saw Gidget Foundation um, when I was pregnant with my son because my obstetrician went, I think you might need to see someone. I was like, no, I don't. I'm fine. I'm working. Everything's fine. I've got a million things to do and I fill my time like every second, you know, because yeah, that's why we need to go and see someone. Um, And I got support from them for maybe 14 months. And I think now that I am well, um, I just wanted to do something to give back. So I hear kind of a common thread that it sounds like in your life that you are a high achiever, that kind of slowing down has been something you've worked on. Do you think that yoga came into your life as a way to help you slow down? Like, did you do that purposefully or did that happen unintentionally? 
uh, unintentionally because mm-hmm. I was only interested in the physical aspect. Um, and I love, I, I loved yoga before, but it was this power yoga. Um, and it's full on. It's, it's really full on in Sydney. You rush into class and then you go and then you do a one minute shavasana at the end and then you leave and rush on to your next thing, get your green juice on the way and then you're off to work or something. Um, but I think two things, probably my body was forcing me to slow down and there's that thing of everything happens for a reason or you can learn, even though it wasn't the best time in my life, the lessons that I learned then have led to me having a better life, I think, like not and I'm still working on it again, not missing the small moments and being present and all of those kind of things. Um, but yeah, I think even when I first started, like Shavasana, which is your end practice and it's the more meditative um, part of yoga, was still really painful because especially having anxiety, sitting with my own thoughts is or could be torture. And now I can sit and do a guided meditation for 30 minutes and kind of enter this really nice blissful state. And like disclaimer here, I have the time now because my son is in preschool. Um, My daughter goes to school. So he's in preschool a few days a week. So that's the other thing. You've got to meet yourself where you're at. There's no way I could have half an hour a day plus exercise to kind of meditate. And that's why I wanted to start this as well, because I was sick of seeing all of these solutions in the market that said, to be healthy, you need to follow this program, which is an hour a day, and you need to cut out X, Y, Z from your diet. Like, that's not going to work for me. I'm a family to feed. I was working full time. So, yeah, it's just, it, it definitely did evolve as I started practicing more and more. And I think it's that thing of don't try and jump to that 30 minute, minute meditation if you're going to hate it. Like, give yourself quick wins first, start to enjoy it, and then it will come naturally yeah I think you really touched on the difference or the desire at first to have some sort of big result immediately it's easy with so much of um kind of mainstream fitness is this thought of oh I'm gonna have some huge transformation and I'm gonna be exactly where I want to be if I do this for 30 days but truly if we are building habits or if we are you know wanting to see some really long-term change being willing to sit in that slow phase and to know that you probably aren't going to see a whole lot of change in that beginning part when you are trying something new. So I just love everything you said about that and how you went from really wanting the physical benefits to coming into these incredible mental benefits of yoga. Now, tell me a little bit about um, some of the research or data that you've maybe come across on yoga and mental health. So it's a really interesting field and it's still emerging, um, but there's been a lot of progress that's been made, uh, especially post-COVID or during COVID. So um, just before I moved over here, I was connected to an organization called the Give Back Yoga Foundation, and they're an American, they're a US um, not-for-profit, or they started there, they're now in the UK, and they've been doing some really good pilot programs with the NHS. So there is a pilot program that they did over a three-month period to look at um, the results that yoga could give for specific mental health issues and the results were outstanding. So they did a three-month program and then they basically the summary kind of assessment is that there were 
statistically significant and clinically significant improvements in stress, anxiety, and depression of all of the people that went through the um, the program. And that continued three months on. So they did one post the end of the program, then three months on. Um, and then the other thing was the confidence that people had to manage their own well-being and to um, listen to and understand what their bodies were telling them or when they might need to seek help. But it's really exciting because our healthcare systems are overrun. People are not getting support. And the other thing that I've found in being in the healthcare system is also that a lot of it is, is some medication and be on your way. I take medication. I have taken medication. I tried to go off it. Didn't work. But I don't credit the medication to me being well now. I create, I credit a whole bunch of things that need to happen for me to be well. So that's one piece. And then um, there is a woman in the UK called Heather Mason, who was a part of that program as well, that's written a book called Yoga for Mental Health. And it's for practitioners. It's not for um, their everyday person. It's more around how do you create classes around this. Um, and it delves into, you know, class structure for anxiety, for depression, ADHD, and insomnia. And that is packed with all of the research around it. So clinical evidence-based research. A lot of the research isn't for yoga directly. It comes from, um, we know that physical exercise is important for mental health, all conditions. Um, we know that mindfulness practices are really important and yoga combines those two things. So you get, here's my type A, a really efficient way. <laughs> I don't think yoga is supposed to be efficient, but a really efficient way of accessing the benefits of both those things. So all of these different studies that you we're drawing conclusions from whilst we're waiting for hard evidence to come out about yoga specifically but I think the message that I would give to everyone is um, the research is there, but just try it. It can't do any harm. That's the thing, right? It's not like medication where there are side effects um, or anything like that. It's just something that you can try and see if it works and tailor for you. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a few things that you touched on. So I really appreciate that you said it's not... Um, the medication was not a solution. The yoga alone was not a solution, that it was all of these parts coming to be a whole as a solution. Because I think, you know, it's really easy to fall into thinking, there's got to be just one solution. There's got to be one thing that I'm going to do that's going to make the difference. And often that just isn't the case. It's all of these things coming together um, to really form well-being, you know, as a full whole. Um, so I appreciate that you mentioned that because I don't want people to think, oh, if you only do yoga alone, everything's going to fall into place because that's probably not the case, although it can make a large difference. Absolutely. And I was really careful around that. when, Whenever I post anything about yoga and mental health, actually, I always say this is not meant to replace your medical advice or what you're working on with your medical team because it's a, it's a high-risk area, right? Yeah. And, and also be wary of anyone that you come across on social media or otherwise that says that their solution is the solution that's going to fix you because only you know through trial and error what that's going to look like. And in my experience, because I've fallen for lots, lots of them, I spent a lot of money on trying to fix myself. And, you know, there's that initial hit as well when you purchase a new program and you go, 
this is going to be it. This is going to be the one. Or start a new medication, for example. And I think through that process, I've just learned, you know, for me, it is movement and movement that fits my body at the time. And I know that movement actually becomes bad for me when I'm dwelling on it or pushing my body through something that it doesn't want to. So even the good things sometimes, because I am that kind of day, I go to extremes. <laughs> you know, I did half an hour, let's now do an hour. Um, and it can just push me over the edge. So I think it's really important to um, for people just to be wary of anyone stating that their solution is the be all and end all. Um, or quick fixes as well. And always follow the advice of your medical team. And also if you, I think the other thing I've learned with um, medical professionals, if you're not clicking and you're, they're telling you something that doesn't feel right, you can change people. Like you need someone that listens to you and a team of people that's going to work with you as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's beautiful the way you put that. Um, you have touched on several times this concept of awareness, you know, awareness of uh, your med- your mental state, your physical state. Do you feel like yoga has helped you cultivate that or are there any things that have helped you to really kind of gain this awareness more? Yeah, I could go on about this for ages. So cut me off if going, I'm going too in depth. But I think there's a couple of things with yoga that, that seem fluffy, but they're not, right? So I don't know, you probably know from talking to me now, I always look for the evidence behind something. So in my yoga teacher training, it can be quite fluffy and there's all of these things around, uh, you know, this pose, I don't know, hits this particular mental health issue. And I've always been the one who has been like, but why? How? Why? How does it all help? Anyway, and I think some of that is um, philosophical, which is great if you want to take it. I'm kind of not that person smart so I was always looking for things around it but I think what I landed on was this ability to tune into yourself and trust yourself so they were the two things so one of the ways that my anxiety presents is looking externally for solution so my four-year-old still doesn't sleep he comes into my bed he wakes up at like 4 30 in the morning still terrible and you know what I think it is karma because I had quite an easy baby the first time around and we did like light sleep training. I was a bit like, mm, your parents aren't doing it right. So I think karma's come back to hit me really, really badly. Um, but at my Kindle, I think I might have 30 sleep books on how to make your baby sleep, right? And in the end, what happened was I went, oh my God, I've just got to accept. This is the child that I have and we all need to get some sleep. So I would be up in his room rocking him for two hours while he was two or something and he's big. He's a big boy. He's not a small boy. Um, And I think through yoga, that's what's changed those things of tuning in, awareness and trusting yourself. And I think all of those three things go together. Um, I think, again, as women... And as people in our society, we're just told it's that hustle culture, which I think we're trying to unwind now, but we're taught not to listen to our body, right? If we're tired, keep on going, push through, you need to deliver the results, be productive, all of those kind of things. And what will happen is your body will tell you eventually that you can't do it. So I think through what you learn through yoga, and this is what I liked about it because it accesses it through the physical practice. So it's this nice bridge to 
the meditation practice. I wouldn't have been able to get to this point unless there was a physical practice to focus on. So to focus on the pose or to focus on the cues that a teacher was giving me or what I was trying to do with my body. And that helps you then be aware of where your body is, what you're feeling in different parts of your body. And then also things like challenging yourself to do something then teaches you this resilience that you can push through things. But also if you push through too soon, you're not going to get the result you want. So they say with yoga or I say with yoga, some people don't, but consistency is better than, you know, one hour a week because it's tra- it, it's a practice, right? And you're training all of those things. So 10 minutes a day is better than an hour, even three times a week. Like I don't practice yoga for long at all anymore. I've taken what I've liked from it and I do a little bit each day. And most of that is meditation now. And if you had told me that eight years ago, be like, no way am I sitting there. Um, but yeah, so I think definitely it's a practice. I still kind of get lost and not tuning in and kind of trying to go for those external things and not trusting that, you know, my body's trying to tell me something or my own intuition as well around when something feels right or something feels wrong. Through that physical practice, that's a really nice, gentle way of training yourself or practicing that without knowing that you're doing it as well. Yeah, I I appreciated hearing a lot of different things in there about um, the ways in which yoga, to me, kind of presents this dichotomy as a mother. I feel like we have a hard time to create this consistency because life is kind of constantly changing, even though staying the same. I don't know if that if that hits home. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I appreciate that yoga, the way that you describe, you've made a habit of yoga, but yet it's taught you about awareness and being present, you know, which are kind of two competing thoughts within this mental state. You know, you You've still been able to say, hey, yoga, I can make consistent, but I can bring awareness and presence to what I'm doing and this activity and I can get both of these things happening. Um, And I really love that. Because a lot of times I get frustrated with habits because I'm like, oh, this just doesn't work in my day. It's constantly changing. I can't make this a habit because I just never have the same, you know, routine every day. So I just love how you presented these kind of competing ideas together. So I resonate with everything that you've just said, especially now because I don't have that structure of going into work. So you should trying to redo a routine, which I've now learned doesn't work for me because I can't have a structured routine um, every day. I'm trying to redo it because I'm like, this isn't working. Um, but I think the way that I will would teach to create a yoga habit is, um, you know, and this is in some of the habit books that I've read and also in I did I saw a personal coach that coached me in um, creating habits and there's two things that she said is kind of the theory behind habit creation but also she would always say she's an older lady with grown kids like you are so hard on yourself be kind and I can still hear her voice now being like be kind to yourself just stop why are you so hard on yourself um so I think the way that I teach that is attach it to something that you already do Um, So something that's ingrained, but even then with children, that can be really hard. So when I hear someone say, oh, like first thing when you wake up in the morning, do, you know, half an hour of yoga. I'm like, my son's in my bed. I'm trying not to breathe or move so he doesn't wake up. Like I am not going to be doing yoga or, you know, 
after you go to the bathroom at night. I'm like, I don't go to the bathroom alone, ever. <laughs> That's a luxury that isn't given to me. So even those kind of things, um, I always say to try and attach it to a habit, but then have a bit of a backup plan and then make it really, really tiny. Like I will do this. I can't remember who it was when I was seeing something. It was on Instagram that someone did one downward dog every day for a year. That's it. Didn't do anything else. And she created a consistent habit about that with that. So once you're on your mat, and this works with anything, right? If you have the time, you'll often do more. Um, but I think also getting those small wins in first, like we're, we're wired to avoid pain, right? And seek pleasure. So that's why things don't stick when they feel awful in our bodies or our minds. And also I think if you're feeling anxious or if you have any mental health issues or you're struggling with your mental health, you need to create this environment of safety, like safety first in your body, in your space and to do that, you need to remove all of these rules and restrictions, but set up kind of an environment for yourself where you you can practice and it's going to be easy for you. Yeah. I just loved hearing you talk about um, the rawness and realness of motherhood and incorporating yoga into motherhood and and just being transparent and saying like, look, I'm not I'm not getting up, you know, at 5 a.m. to do a whole yoga class here that because that's just how it works in my life. And if you do and it works in your life, that's amazing and that's wonderful. But but I just have to be realistic and say like, you know, my son is in my bed with me, so I'm not doing that. So I need to make it work in my life. Um, yeah. That really, I think, can, you know, go across the board for so many moms who are like, I see this advice here, but that just isn't, you know, not going to work in my life. And also then we end up feeling guilty, right? Because society or whatever it is, is saying like, well, why can't you stick to that? Like you just don't have any willpower. No, I've got 20,000 balls in the air that I'm juggling. That's why I can't stick to that. And actually I'm caring for little humans and probably big humans as well. So I think just breaking that down and meeting yourself where you're at, giving yourself a break really helped me to create consistent practices as well. And also, I think the other thing that I bring in to this well-being piece is recognizing what season of life you're in and then not trying to go after things that aren't going to be possible in that season of life. Before I'd had my son, my daughter was probably six or seven and I could go out and do things. So that kind of changed when I had my son, you know. So I would always try and push through my situation and be like, no. Nah. I'm going to make it work. And then that just leads to mental exhaustion, right? Because it's it's never going to work. So I think recognizing that if you're caring for small children or bigger children, or if you're caring for your parents, if you're working, if like what else, what other stresses are going on in your life? And then maybe, you know, a one hour everyday yoga program or physical fitness program is just going to add more stress. And if it's adding more stress to your life, it's not helping you. So just... Yeah remove it. And I think even physical activity um, or eating better that's going to make you feel more stressed or obsessed about something or feel guilt or shame about not being able to do it is actually worse for your health. Yeah. I, for my last question, would love to know, I have an idea, but I think I maybe know, what is your favorite self-care activity? I have so many, actually. (laughs) I've really gone down this route of self-care. Um, and it's probably a practice called yoga nidra. So mm-hmm. it is a form of yoga, but you don't move at all 
and it's it's translated to I've just gotten into it recently because I'm learning how to slow down and to rest. Um, and it's called it's translated to yogic sleep. And I haven't done the research behind the science behind it yet, but they say, you know, half an hour is equivalent to three hours of sleep or something like that. But again, without the science, when I do it, I um, feel amazing afterwards. And so I'm trying to get into that. And again, starting at kind of 10 minutes sometimes. Sometimes I look for five-minute ones. I haven't been able to find because it's a guided pace. But that at the moment is my favorite thing. And that will change probably next week. That's incredible. I um I also love that I can already hear your brain about it because that sounds like in a very efficient form of yoga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I'm like, I see what you're doing there, Vanessa. I know what you're doing there. <laughs> My yoga teacher, like who delivered teacher training, would be like, not the point. It's <laughs> <laughs> the point. I'm like, and then I'm like, well, you and I are different. Whatever works for everyone, right? Whatever works. And it makes me want to do it. It does sound very calming and relaxing. And um, I just pre- appreciated hearing me talk today all about, you know, learning how to slow, learning how to be aware, um, tuning in with ourselves and so many wonderful points. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Vanessa. No, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed chatting to you. Are you a mom seeking more consistency in caring for yourself? I am. And I'm excited to share that starting in January, This podcast will be a transparent look at the principles of habit formation applied to daily life as a mom seeking to care for herself. I'm on a journey to find consistency in my own self-care habits because we all know that motherhood can bring new challenges and changing circumstances every day. If you'd like to build consistent self-care habits too, join me for the journey by tuning into the podcast weekly so we can set self-care goals together and build healthy habits. Subscribe and follow this podcast so you don't miss out.